Minasan, Konbanma. Welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination, from our world to the far-off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and of course, magic. We are delighted to bring you this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us in this podcast, please visit us at RollWithAdventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to Roll With Adventure. This session's campaign is of salt and blood. My name is Cass, and I am the dungeon master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This session begins in the early afternoon of the 6th of Altor, in the year 1069 PR, as the party stares out into the smoky attic. Maya's body, seemingly nowhere in sight. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember here, we roll with adventure. So, what intelligent delight or mind-numbing tale have you to share with us tonight? Okay, so I learned something. I, I kind of learned two related things. So I was wanting to know why sometimes you buy yarn and it's kind of wound up into a ball that you can knit straight from and it doesn't tangle usually. And why sometimes they sell it in like loops of yarn that are much harder to work. You could work directly from them, but it would be hard because they tangle very easily. And the answer is a number of different reasons. One, the loops of yarn that aren't easy to work from are easily kind of unwound so that you can see the variation of the color within the dye lot. So that's useful. Also, apparently winding the yarn puts tension on the fibers, which is bad for it unless you're going to be working with it directly, like pretty soon. It's much better for storage if you have the loops. And then the loops are also good because for um transit i guess they travel better they're not they don't snag the same way as balls of yarn do so they don't unravel in transit and lastly the cost because when you get like beautiful hand dyed yarn not factory produced yarn if they don't have to wind it into a ball it's that much less work for them so then the cost is a little bit less for you as a consumer because they didn't have to put that extra effort into it which is great because Beautiful hand-dyed yarn is not cheap. But the other thing that I learned, which is related, is apparently there's balls, skeins, and hanks of yarn. And a lot of people, when they're referring to that loop of yarn that's not very easy to work with, they call it a skein. But apparently, maybe, I'm, I'm not sure which side of the debate I fall on this, but that could be the hank of yarn. And a skein of yarn is like a wound kind of oblong thing of yarn that sometimes it has like the thread in the middle so that you can pull from the middle instead of the outside 
And then the ball is just like the wound round ball of yarn. So yeah, I learned I learned things about yarn and I'm going to take a plus two because I like yarn and I work with yarn a lot and I now I'm not curious about that thing anymore. So there we go. That's me. Well, I learned that Louisville, Kentucky has really, really amazing food. We visited there this last weekend and every place we ate was fantastic. I am so jealous of the food scene over there. Amazing. 10 out of 10. Highly recommend. I'm going to take a plus one for this because I think it's always fun to learn what places have good food. I learned not to trust wedding photographers this week, but I learned too late, so I'll take a minus two because I had this whole chair set up in this spot and a wedding photographer decided that it was a good place to shoot some wedding pictures and moved all of it and it was stressful. But she also learned my intimidation modifier and it was high and she moved all of my chairs back. So I'm still taking a minus two because I learned not to trust them after the fact. So don't trust wedding photographers. They will do anything for the good shot. They will. Yeah, I'll do anything too, she learned. Well, that doesn't sound right. Never mind. <laughs> we should look at some local news. Find out wedding planet photographer murdered. Yeah, no, you'll never find. Check the walls. Check the walls in the place he works. Ask the mice. Ask the mice. Especially the ones that look back at you. My numbing thing, I was watching Reddit as an intellectual, but there's a subreddit called Idiots in Cars. I saw the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It was two cars in the middle of a highway, like a three or four lane highway, and they were both like car on car in the mid next to each other in the middle lane, trying to push the other one out of the middle lane. Uh, and it went on for a good two minutes. And I'm like, how can you be so stupid to think that a lane in traffic is worth almost dying for? So I'm taking a minus two because that just blew my mind in the wrong way. Obviously never driven in Massachusetts. Oh, God, is that how they drive up there? It's scary. But to be fair, I think Chicago is much worse. So I did some research and did watch a video with my little boy about king cobras. King cobras are absolutely terrifying creatures. They're very pretty and uh, they're really cool, but they are terrifying. They are big. They can get up to at least 13 feet long. And if you've ever heard a king cobra growl look it up look up king cobra growling it is absolutely terrifying but they're cool respect snakes love snakes they're good for the environment they're good for the world but man are they scary and i'll just take a plus one because yeah let's see what you all roll 15 nine i got an eight solid 17 i got a 19 plus one so i got a 20 Hi, I'm Emmy. I'm playing Sylvie Antaeus. She's a half-elf nun, and she really loves cookies. Hi, world. Carlos here, and I play Marcus Evander, a scout, a former scout in the Talran army. Marcus has a deep-seated fear of rugs. 
now. You stabbed that one. It was fine. And I will continue to stab them throughout this campaign. I'd never trust a rug. To be exact, it was a blanket. Excusez-moi. A blanket. Oh, God, Crown's just going to stab every bed now. Just like, go ahead, go ahead. Every night before you get into it, you got to give it a good stabbing. Just in a haunted house or crazy, creepy place. Hi, my name's Allie. I'm playing Maya Volta, a human cleric of Cain who probably has mixed feelings about bathing now. I'm Disco, and I play Alice, the radiant Genasi druid who might have been brought back with the light of a black flame candle. Gonna break out in Hocus Pocus soon? Oh, it is Hocus Pocus season. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. My name's Corey, and I play Kalina Floros, who is a ex-soldier of the Tyrant Army. And she is currently going to probably be traumatized from the current events. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember here, we roll with adventure. Due to the amount of smoke in this next scene, we are going to start the clock on suffocation. Each of you have con modifier minutes to a minimum of 30 seconds, if you have a plus zero or negative modifier, before you will begin to suffocate. Well, I do have your con modifiers for the sake of the listeners, can I have them again? Excluding Maya, as she's a ghost. Plus three for Marcus. Kalina's uh, plus two. Sylvie's got a plus one. Give me one second. <laughs> because I'm trying to find a wild shape. <laughs> You're trying to find a wild shape to change into. <laughs> Gonna see a big old bear just... I wish I could turn into bears, but I'm not Circle of the Moon. I, I will have a plus two to my con. What is your con modifier at the moment? Plus zero. 30 seconds to start, and then you'll move to three minutes. Smoke, cloying, billowing. It wreaths around you, suffocating the air and rendering sight useless. Your lungs scream from it. Your eyes burn from it. Your skin tingles burr Alice Kalina Marcus and Sylvie looking about the attic through the smoke you don't see Maya's body it has vanished and aside from the smoke there is nothing here that you can see that you haven't seen before just the chairs and the furniture. On the other hand, Maya, you as well do not see a body. You don't see your body, but you do see a man. He leans next to where your body once was, an oversized playing card flipping between his fingers like a coin. He is dressed in an archaic fashion, one perhaps popular some hundred years in the past. Though he leans, you can extrapolate that he stands approximately five foot nine with a muscular build. To you, trapped between the veil of life and death, he appears as he would in life, with olive skin and dark freckles that dot his oval face. 
supporting a softly shaped jaw, straight nose, large ears, smooth cheeks, and narrow lips beneath angular brown eyes that gaze out from beneath thick eyebrows. His shoulder-length, light brown hair is pulled back into a messy queue. Though you lack physical form, you feel a weight in your chest as your breath hitches, as your heart skips a beat, as it pounds. For before you stands Aleki Caligos's butler, Stamanus's brother, Quintil. Everyone except Maya. How do you react to the smoke and seeing that Maya's body is missing? After we've gone through all of you, then we'll see how Maya reacts to seeing Quintal. Alice will blink, and when his eyes reopen, they are reflecting a... Uh, they're reflecting eyes that are yellow um, with a slitted pupil as he melts down into a puddle of... Uh, liquid uh, mirror on the floor and what rises from the mirror is the shape of a wool. I will do things after that but I think that's as far as we can go for now if I'm if I'm correct. Uh, Kalina would just rush over to where Maya's body should be and kind of just look around kind of frantically or start making her way towards that way anyway. I think Sylvie would have crouched down a little bit just to get a little bit lower and see if she could see through the smoke at all. And that I think she would think in her head, oh no, we lost Maya's body, and kind of rush towards where Kalina's at. Marcus would kind of just move fast, try to react as quick as possible, and try not to inhale as much smoke as he can help, and he will kind of have a determination in his face and just rush over to where everyone else seems to be moving. Maya, how do you react? I'm going to look at Quintal and sort of with my palms up, but my arms sort of at my side in a not aggressive posture, I'm going to say, Quintal, it doesn't have to be like this. You hear those words float out into the air from Maya. And the next series of events are going to occur simultaneously. Who would like to be number one? Sure, I'll volunteer Kalina for it. I'll be number two. I'll take number three. Marcus will be four. Yay. Kalina. For the briefest of moments, what is going to happen is going to feel like it stretches for eternity. In the smoke, in the haze, you feel yourself get lightheaded. And there is suddenly this feeling of being in almost two places at once, and suddenly standing right in front of you is the same man that I've described to Maya. Same man that has cropped up in many descriptions throughout this house. But as he briefly flickers and you see him there, you hear a masculine voice in your mind. You couldn't save her. You weren't fast enough. 
you weren't strong enough. But I can help you. My master can help you. With his power, you could have saved her. You could have stopped your father if you had my master's power. You could find your brothers. You could make your father. Quinn would stop for a moment and be like, and just kind of. She wouldn't say anything at all, but she would think. How? But she would just stand there for a moment. What things would flash through Kalina's mind? Don't give an answer to, like, what Kalina says. Or what she does. But what are the memories and thoughts that are going through her mind as this offer surfaces? Uh, So the first one, when he says, I couldn't save her, it would be when she sees them burying her older brother and mother um, as part of the Amaranthian War. Um, And the hopelessness she felt that she couldn't do anything then feels just like it does right now when she couldn't save Maya. When he says that he could offer her power and that she could find her brothers and make her father bleed on top of the anger she has for losing Maya's body because she's the one that left it there and also causing Maya's death. She contemplates taking the offer because she's so furious right now and she wants to try and do something to correct her mistakes. Now we'll move to Alice. Alice, as you've shifted forms and you've changed where you are, the cat snake is still draped around you. The cat snake has sort of, it it briefly seems to have woken up and it's moved and it's tried to now, it's sort of more curling up on your back. Might even have its uh, head just resting between your two fluffy ears now. My ears are quite fluffy. As you're sniffing, you catch another scent. A scent that you had not noticed before, and from this, you almost get this hazy sense that there is someone standing there. Through the scent, you almost can see this outline of them. This is not how it normally will work, but we'll go with this for this description. And then you hear a voice in your mind. You wish to make a deal for power to bring her back. You would have called on an old crone for it, but I, I can do you far better. Cast off the black crone's hold upon you. Pledge yourself to the glory, sister, and ensure that your friend is returned to you. What goes through Alice's mind? He's definitely, like, snarling and growling towards the ill-mannered scent that he's picked up. Um, 
and I think he'll like reflexively bite at it, but then hearing this voice in his mind, uh, he stops and it's fair. I, th- I think it's fairly obvious when uh, canines uh, lose a little bit of their aggression, and that kind of is noticeable in his uh, body language. Would you call it body language if it's an animal? Yeah, animals have body language. They still have bodies. Yeah. Yeah, they still have bodies. I think that he'll retort a little bit, but then... And he'll consider it, but memories of servitude to his last master kind of collect in his mind as he throws the idea away and finishes his snap in the dark of his jaws. Sylvie, as you reflexively start to follow your companions, but from a lower vantage point, you can feel the heat that's coming off of the smoke that's filling this room You can feel it flare up across your skin, and you have the briefest, most terrifying moment. You remember this type of heat. You remember feeling it on your mother's skin as she boiled herself alive, as she succumbed to the flare. Oh, child, how sad your life has been. Your blood lays a story like an open book. A father you never knew. A mother taken by sickness. A mentor who simply abandoned And oh, so many. So many who've used And now, you've lost a friend. One you weren't quick enough to save. But I can save her. I can bring her back. My master is very generous with his power. I can share it with you. What goes through Sylvie's mind? When she hears the voice first talking about her mother, she would at first see her mother's beautiful, smiling face before she got sick, and then it would flash to her deathbed where she's not the person that she was before, the body of the person that she loved that she saw wither away in front of her, and then it would flash again to the small cottage where she grew with Cleo and all of the happy memories, and then that intense feeling of loss, both from losing her mother and Cleo, and then past that to the people she thought were helping her, who ended up causing her to end up on the island. But then she would also, there would also be good memories sort of filtered in throughout those, and then she would see Maya's dead body as they pulled her from the tub. But it would be flashes of deep grief and reminders of those losses but then a lot of joy and sort of resolution she would end on resolution I think Marcus you hear a voice in your head a voice that you recognize as the voice of the butler from the memories that you have lived and standing by the chair that Maya's body was previously sitting in is the same butler 
that you saw in those memories. Not a day older. His lips don't move, but you hear his voice. It echoes in the corners of your mind, as if it is reaching around something to put itself there, as if it is slightly muffled. Renounce the hold that the fractured Myris bitch holds over you, and my master will give you everything you have ever wanted. He can give you far more than she can. He can give you back your friend. He can give you back your wife. He can give you back your daughter. And all he asks is that you renounce her and to consummate this new pact with a blood sacrifice. What goes through Marcus's mind? Don't give me an answer. Pain. Grat. Instantaneous. Marcus flips through the familiar tones, the familiar thoughts. It's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault she's gone. It's my fault I lost her. It's my fault I lost my wife. It's my fault. It is my fault. Something of a self-negative mantra that goes through his head. For a tiny second, everything in Marcus's being wishes to say yes. He still loves his wife. He still loves his daughter. And he misses Maya. But there's something curious about the other woman. Even though everything sounds great, there's something that he can't really put his finger on. But the feelings of doubt are there. And if it wasn't so smoky, he probably would start to cry a little. But there's also determination. And it's also rude to call someone bitch. My... Curious. Oh, so that curious. Quintal's voice. It doesn't echo in your mind like the others. You can see the movement of his lips plain as day. He steps towards you, his fingers still playing with the card in his hand, flipping it over and over. You should have gone to my master's table. But someone else is protecting you. Let me cut you a deal. Offer them. Offer up whoever protects you. To me. 
pledge yourself to my master, and I will ask that he returns you to the flat. You can walk again. You can save your friend. And as he smiles, you can see that his teeth are not human. Rather, they are the teeth of a shark. What goes through Aya's mind? As he's talking, Maya... Like a slow smile spreads across her face. One of, I don't know, contentment and... Determination is not the right word, but she feels very calm and self-assured. And as he's offering her this deal, there's nothing about this that tempts her. She is very firmly dedicated to her service to Cain. She would not trade that for any other master. And she remembers all too clearly the price that Aleki paid in order to get what he wanted. And as he continues to talk, as he promises her body back, her smile is almost one of humor because he couldn't be farther off the mark. And as by the by the end of his conversation, she maybe almost looks pitying. He has been so thoroughly duped by his master. He's turned himself into something horrible, and he knows nothing. Kalina, what is your answer? She'll ask, how? What do I do? Pledge yourselves. Pledge yourself and offer up a sacrifice of blood. Pledge yourself. Pledge yourself to the blood letter. Pledge yourself to the drinker. Pledge yourself to Kagosa. Alice, what is your response? I think Alice gives a firm no in the response of the sound of snapping jaws in the darkness. As your jaws snap down and you probably snarl or something like that, another voice cuts into the conversation with a yawn. The voice of the cat snake that is sleeping on you. It is rude to speak to my client without including me in this conversation. And for that, you are not welcome. Alice, dear, please don't play with bottom feeders. You represent Beghilda's interests now. We mustn't have you muddying her reputation. It's so great to have a good agent. Sylvie, what is your answer? Sylvie would respond with something along the lines of... No, death is something a lot of people are afraid of, but it's not the end. It's it's just a new beginning. And whatever that means for Maya is what it means, but we'll figure it out without you or your demented master. Marcus, 
What is your answer? Well, uh, what you're saying sounds pretty good, but, uh, respectfully, eat shit. Just immediately Duke Nukem. Eat shit, die. Maya, what is your answer? You have no power over me, and you have nothing that I want. You fooled Aleki into prolonging his suffering, but your master uses you just as Aleki was used. I want to help you. Let me help you throw off the yoke of your service to your master. Let me set you free. All of you are going to hear what happens next. But before I state that, Kalina, you will hear one additional thing. Seek me out in the deep. My offer still stands. All of you, suddenly, whatever distortion was going on, you're back how you were. But now, you can all see Quintal. You can see the butler standing there, the smoke billowing around him, swirling. You see him bring his left arm up, cleaving the air in front of him with a wrenching and tearing sound before he makes three horizontal slashes across it. And as he does, he says this, Deny me. Deny us. Deny. And my master would suckle your friend's blood like a babe on its mother's teeth. You ungrateful wretches. The very space in front of him begins to glow red in the symbol of Kugosa. And a rank stench of rotting meat mixes with the smoky air. Smoke is drawn inwards towards the symbol, obscuring Quintal from your sight before he is suddenly gone. And in his place, the symbol glows and throbs. The card he previously held in his hand gently flutters to the floor, and the cloying scent of decay continues to permeate the air as a sound begins to appear. A sound at the edge of your hearing, the sound of tiny mouths gnawing upon all manner of things. Please roll initiative. I have an 11. Oh, I did pretty good this time. 22. I got a 21. 16. Also 16. But I have a minus one modifier, so I assume I'm not... I'm furthest down. Tis true. I think I'm furthest down. You may be furthest down, from what you can see. Kalina, what are you going to do? As he vanished, you heard those additional words echo in your mind. Does she have any idea what he means by deep? Or is it just a cryptic message to her right now? It's a rather cryptic message, but as you hear them, you also see something briefly. You see that black gate in the basement that the creature came out of. But then you also see this twisting tunnel. The scent and the sound of waves. And then you see a room. A cavernous room etched of black green stone. And a crack in the floor. 
natural crack in the floor in the shape of Kagosa's symbol. It almost seems like a naturally formed amphitheater, for behind it is a large stone block, like an altar. So as he disappears, she'll kind of just look around and try and see where everyone else is, and kind of just stand there for a moment. She's not kind of sure what to do at the moment. Sylvie, what are you going to do? Okay, I think seeing this glowing symbol floating in the air, Sylvie's going to want to get away from it. So I think she's going to try and head sort of back in the direction and also the smoke. So sort of back in the direction of the stairs they all came up from. You're going to head for the stairs down to the second floor that also go down to the main floor? Yes. Marcus. Marcus is still very determined, but he's going to... Can I ready... Uh, my bow and an arrow and just kind of be ready for whatever comes. So you'd like to ready your action perhaps to attack the first thing that you see? Yes. I think if anything happens or comes out of that, the noise and the, the symbol to Marcus is going to do. Maya. Can I see what the card is? Would you perhaps like to pick the card up? I don't have hands. Did it fall face up? Can I see what the card is? Or, like, I don't want to go to any effort, but if I glance at it, can I see? It is face down, but it is an oversized playing card. The back of it is very archaic. Man, Allie really wants to pick this card up. But, sadly, I'm sort of not Maya. So, Maya says... Come, everyone, we know what we must do. Don't touch the symbol. Let's go to the conservatory. And she, man, if she had arms, she'd be making, like, shooing motions for everybody to get down the stairs. She won't leave anybody behind, but she will kind of go to the top of the stairs and, and hover, waiting for everybody to go safely down. Alice. Is the path to the stairs to follow the ghost of Maya on the way to where Maya's body was... When we left it last? You will have to go around the symbol in a bit of a circuitous route, but you will get to the stairs. Everyone has had to go, like, around it a bit. I have 40 feet of movement speed now, because I'm a wolf, too. I don't know if that changed anything. You and Sylvie are both able to get to the top of the stairs. Everyone else is about 10 feet into the room. Oh, right. I forgot. Sylvie says, like, fast as a wolf, just naturally. We can't all be Sylvie without wild shape. Well, I will sniff where Maya's body was, like to get a better sense of it as a wolf as I'm walking by it so that I can follow the trail, essentially. The cat snake's tail will sort of loll off of you and will flip up the card so that it lands on top of your head. And it's just leaning on it so it is on top of your head and being carried out of the room thank you cat and can you please give me a perception check for you picking up the trail sniffing around where Maya's body was and it will have advantage because of the wolf's keen senses trait 
That is a dirty 20. Excellent. Please log that for later. The symbol throbs and hums with energy as the smoke twists and pulls into it amidst a cacophonous sound of tiny mouths before it pulses and smoke explodes outwards. As it does, the force of this shockwave slams the doors closed, including the door at the top of the stairs, right in front of Sylvie's face. Laughter fills the air. Horrible laughter. Dear Lord. I mean, I seem to recognize that as the laughter of the horrible creatures that came out of the swords in uh, early on in campaign one. So I don't know what's going on now. Yes, the ice elementals. (laughs) That noise is going to haunt my dreams. With that, you're going to see the symbol glowing with its baleful light. It begins to break apart, and as it does, it seems to unfold itself in a couple different directions. And from it, pieces of it take wing, flying into the smoke, vanishing into the smoke. And then from the smoke, a deluge of attacks will come. And so that no one is confused, these creatures were treated with group initiative. I rolled a one. Yay! Murder death machines. I am only rolling one attack die for them, but I am going to have the attack, this be an attack that hits all of you, depending on what your AC is. So they have, for their hit, gotten a 17. Who will this affect? B. Wolf Alice is hit. Yeah, it'll hit Kalina. Allie, Maya's AC as a ghost is less than 17, right? Sylvie's AC is a 17, so I don't remember if that hits or not. Match or beat, it will hit. So I guess that hits everyone in the party. You will all be suddenly struck by small, slashing claws. Claws that, as they cut into you, seem to burn. And you will take... Three slashing damage and three fire damage. I have resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical sources, as well as acid, fire, lightning, and thunder damage, and immunity to cold, necrotic, and poison damage. You'll take half damage for everything. Okay. Does my resistances work while I'm wild-shaped? I don't know. You do get to keep your resistances. You retain the benefits of any feature from your class race, or other source, and can use them in the new form if physically capable of doing so. Can somebody tell me what the damage was again? So that was how much in total? Yeah, both of us. Three slashing damage and three fire damage. Allie, you should note for Maya that because in 5th edition everything is rounded down, and because you are resistant to both slashing and to fire as a ghost... You'll take a total of two damage, one fire, and one slashing. Oh, okay. Thank you. Marcus, now your readied action will go off as you see flickers of tooth and claw in the smoke. Well, I'm gonna shoot with the bow. A 16 did. Even though these creatures are obscured with partial cover by the smoke, that will hit. That is going to be nine points of piercing damage. Just 
just let everyone know I'm adding my damage modifiers this time. So Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Kalina, you have just felt as if something has like landed on you and taken a bite or slashed you and then has flown off again. You really can't see what this these things are that well. It seems almost like the smoke itself is attacking you, and this horrible laughter is filling the air. Alright, is the, the symbol gone now, or is it still there? The symbol is still there. It is much fainter. It seems to be pulsing and growing a bit brighter again. I think Kalina would walk over to the symbol, and then draw her sword and try and swing at the symbol, hoping it does something useful. Make an attack. 20. That will hit. As you know, the symbol is composed of three horizontal lines and one vertical line bisecting them. How do you intend to strike it? I think she would be hitting the... She would probably be hitting the horizontal as she's slashing outward. Not really expecting anything, but trying. Kind of coming down on an angle. Please roll damage. Sorry, this was... I didn't say two-handed, uh, but she, she was just drawing it quickly, not thinking it would actually hit anything. Six points of slashing damage. As you brought your blade down, your blade actually cleaved a little bit into it. You heard that same laughing sort of turn into a bit of a shriek. And then there was a small pulse. Can you please give me a dexterity saving throw? Hey, I'm pretty okay at those. Not this time, though. It's a nine. As this pulse goes off, the baleful red light from the symbol will splash across you. And as it does, you feel almost as if a layer of your skin, wherever the light touches, is being flayed from you. You will take three slashing damage. Queen will definitely scream a little bit of pain from that. And that's that'll kind of just be her uh, turn. She'll kind of just stand kind of next to the symbol. Sylvie, the door is slammed closed in front of you, and you have just been struck or nibbled on or bitten, or slashed by something made out of smoke. Oh, ow, oh! Can Sylvie try and open the door, and would that be her action? Would you like to try the door? Yeah. You reach out to grab the door, and the door handle is burning hot. Oh, great, okay, great. You don't even touch the door handle. You can feel the heat radiating off it. And as you do, as you almost do, you almost think that you just pull your hand back as something tries to bite it. Okay, great. All right, she's going to turn around, I think. And I guess it seems like Kalina hit something when she attacked this floating symbol and can't attack the air. So Sylvie's going to run over and swing at it with her quarterstaff. Strike true. It was a nine, so probably not. Au contraire, you will hit this. Okay, hard to miss. Got it. Okay. Three plus four is seven damage. She's going to swing it straight down through the vertical line, if she can. Will both you and Kalina give me a dexterity saving throw this time? Oh no, now I hate this. (laughs) Man, I have such a high dex, but I keep rolling so low. I got an eight this time. I got an 18. 
As Sylvie brings her quarterstaff down and strikes it, the spot that she strikes, it begins to crack. And now, with it cracked in between two spaces, that same laughter transforms again into a shriek. And as it does, it pulses again with a bright red light. This time, Kalina, you will take four slashing damage. And Sylvie, you will take two slashing damage. Oh boy. Maybe this is not the way to go about this. I don't know. Kalina just doesn't know. She didn't think that would do anything. <laughs> Lucky hit. Well, the doorknob feels like it's on fire, so nobody burn their hands. I don't know how we're getting out of here. Marcus. Real quick before Marcus decides to do anything, he's just going to ask, Uh, so are we staying? Or are we fine? Or are we, what are we doing? I think if we can find a way out, we should leave. But the doorknob's hot, so I don't know how we're leaving. Okay. Marcus would like to run and try to barge through the door. Kool-Aid man? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me a strength athletics check. That is a solid 14. You will smack hitting the door, and you will bounce off of it as if this door is stronger or has been strengthened in some way that is not natural. Ow. Oh, I hate those owls so much. We're going to account this attempt of charging the door as part of your movement and your bonus action. So you still have your action to do. Marcus will just go, oh, that really hurt, but we'll forgive you. And he's just going to shoot his short bow. Probably going to shoot at the creatures flying through the air. 17. That will hit, and the one that you are striking with your bow is within five feet of Sylvie. Twelve points of piercing. As your arrow sings through the air, it is going to strike into one of these things. Just as it's about to wheel down and attack Sylvie's head. And then, as this arrow goes into it, the laughter coming out of it dies. It seems to almost collapse in on itself, and you briefly see one of those small, smaller version of the larger symbol appear, and then it cracks in two and breaks apart. Maya, your turn. Would anybody care to know what ghost Maya looks like? Um, yes. I think the listeners. <laughs> For sure. So, ghost Maya looks... Exactly like Maya did when she was alive, except for her dress is a rich crimson color, and so she doesn't wear a dress normally, but now she is wearing a dress, and it is a rich crimson color, and some, though maybe maybe none of you recognize, the dress is of a style that was... The height of fashion in Amaranth about 11, 12, maybe 13 years ago. And her hair is done in, in a fashionable way. And she's wearing a gold necklace, gold earrings, and a gold bracelet. And in her hands, she 
has a golden great axe with red and white inlay. And she is going to float forward with great determination towards the symbol and swing the great axe. And just to make sure, this is like a full ball gown dress. Yes. Yes. This has like a a fitted bodice and a very puffy skirt and um, like uh, kind of a square neckline, I imagine, and lace and uh, probably lace. The bodice is laced in the back with gold ribbon and she has gold trim at her cuffs. I think she probably has full or like maybe three quarter length sleeves with lace. I don't know exactly what the fashions of Amrand were like 14 years ago or 12 years ago, or wh- wh- however long ago it was. Definitely imagine, like, full, fancy, high society, nobility ball gown. And giant great axe. I have a question. Would Kalina have recognized that from her time fighting in the Amaranthian War? In the Amaranthi kalren conflict, if you ever were part of a squad that stormed a noble's house, you likely would have seen a similar style. But you also would know that certain colors were only kept for royalty and for those that have been granted them for services to the crown. Okay, how common would the royalty knowledge been? I'm assuming she was definitely basically on the front lines as the war ended, but I don't know if she would have known the difference between the different, whether it was royalty or not. Give me a history check. Da-da-da-da, what is my history modifier? Oh man, I'm bad at this. Ah, 15, not terrible. You can recognize it as possibly the colors of royalty. Or at least of very high nobility. Maybe the priesthood. Just wanted to have that for later, maybe. Where does this great axe cleave? Right down to the center of the symbol. Roll away. As Maya swings back over her shoulder to take a big swing down into the floor, she says, Lord of flame and blood, lend me your aid. Oh, that's a three, though. So, hold on. Would Kalina and Stilby be classified as flanking with a floating ghost? I don't know how that works when they're above you. Are we flanking this floating symbol in the air? Because I didn't give Sylvie advantage on her strike. That probably means that Kalina's on one of the cardinal points. Sylvie's on the cardinal point next, which means the other two cardinal points would be flanking. So go right ahead. Have advantage. Oh, that's a better roll. That's 15. That will hit. That'll be 12 necrotic damage. As you bring this axe down, unlike the previous strikes where this symbol seemed to resist them in some way, your axe cleaves through it. It will strike from the top straight down, cutting first through one of the horizontal layers, then through the central vertical 
line, then through another one of the horizontal lines, and then again through the last horizontal line, cleaving this into multiple pieces. And as it does, that laughter turns into a shriek, and the very air pulls inwards, and for briefest of moments, all of the smoke in the room is gone. All of the air in the room is gone. And then there will be a tiny detonation, and it will explode out. As it does, Kalina and Sylvie are going to see how you do. Can you please give me a dexterity saving throw? Nope. Uh, that's a 12. I got a 16 plus 6, so... At least you did well on that important history check, Corey. <laughs> Both of you are going to be blown back 10 feet, and you're going to land prone as you are smashed back by this shockwave. It is also going to break the floor beneath it, which now breaks down through the floor of the attic into the linen and work rope. Sorry, Ghost Maya doesn't know her own strength. <laughs> Poke smash. And because you were blown back, the flaying power seeking your blood was slightly behind that. Kalina will take one slashing damage. Sylvie will escape completely unscathed. Good though, roll. And all of that cacophonous sound is going to vanish. You guys have just heavily exerted yourself. The room is still filled with smoke. You are still at risk of suffocating. What are you all going to do? Is everyone alright? We should we should get out of this room. Tried that. Right. Yeah. Sylvie's gonna peel herself up off the floor. Yeah, Clean will do the same and then just kind of stare absentmindedly at Maya. Alice is, like, pawing at the door because he can't open it, but he's, like, been doing it this whole time. We have to try the door again. Like, scratch, 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 like, at the door. And then he looks back at everyone and then he turns back and scratch, scratch. Maybe now that the symbol's gone, we'll be able to get through. Could we just jump to the floor below? How far is the the next floor under us? Between 10 to 12 feet fancy house high ceilings that's just a short hop away can maya float over to the door to see if she can see anything strange around it just like the walls you can sort of see it there you sort of don't but you also get this distinct feeling that they're not all that they seem oh right the thing you didn't tell the party last time yeah uh, intentionally one way or another, we need to get you out of here. It's too smoky for all of you. Let's try the door one more time, and if not, then perhaps you can lower each other down through the hole. Well, what was wrong with the door before? <laughs> Let's hurry, whatever we do. <laughs> so we will rush over to the door and try and open it. While the door handle is a bit warm, it isn't burning. No idea why it was like that before. You throw it open, more smoke billows up. As you race down... Are you guys going to duck into the linen room, or are you going to go all the way down the stairs to the kitchen? Well, the kitchen's on fire. Well, I mean, the fire's in the fireplace where we put it, I think. I uh, we set the cellar stairs on fire, which are really close to the bottom of these stairs. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Mm-hmm, I forgot about that. But we have to go down to the bottom floor. I don't know. I don't know. Maya will kind of float leading us towards the linen closet and then out down the main stairs. Alice is also following his nose and trying to 
make uh, trying to find the body as well. The body, it seems, has gone down into the kitchen. Or at least in that direction. You don't know where beyond that it goes down the stairs. It doesn't go into the linen closet. I'm going to do one of those like lassie f- like foot points. Do you know what I mean? What is it, Alice? What are you trying to say? <laughs> what? What? The boy is stuck in the well. <laughs> yeah, Alice is like Lassie pointing, like at the st- at the direction of the kitchen. Maya will pause in the doorway to the linen room to see what everybody else is going to do. She's not going to go anywhere without everybody else. Smoke continues to billow up the stairs from the kitchen. It billows and rises almost as if it's seeking out your lungs, your eyes, specifically. So, here on this landing, you have three choices. One, you can return to the attic. Two, you can enter the linen room and the second floor beyond. Or three, You can descend the stairs into the kitchen. What will you do? I think Alice is trying to tell you something. I'm I'm still Lassie pointing towards the kitchen. It is the fastest way to the conservatory, but it's very smoky and I don't know how much fire is down there. Can I see through the floor? Not here. Maybe we should take a second to breathe and then we can keep going? Like... Maybe step into the linen clo- or linen room and shut the door and hope we can breathe in there for a minute. I think that's a good idea. I'm a wolf. I can't say anything. But the wolf is like tensely looking at the kitchen as if to say, I don't think we have time. Well, I think Alice is trying to tell us we should probably go in the kitchen. I howl. I think that means yes. Well, let's go. Let's do it fast. I... <laughs> Maya's gonna try to float down ahead so that she can warn the party if there's if the kitchen is in flames or if there's any other danger. Is the party going slowly behind Maya, or are you all struggling to race down the stairs so you don't choke and suffocate and die? We're insane. We're too. Dying sounds bad. I I think we are moving fairly swiftly. Yes, swift wolf movement. A solid trot. As fast as the people in front of her will go. You barrel your way down the stairs. There is no fire in the kitchen. There does not appear to be any originating source of the smoke. To be honest, the staircase to the cellar doesn't look like it has even been singed as you flash quickly looking back behind you there's no smoke even in the stairwell and though all of you are covered in soot you can't find where it came from Alice will do that like doggy shake try to get that soot off and I will continue to look for the scent of Maya's body. Give me a new d- 20 for your perception check down here. 
everyone else, how are you reacting to this lack of fire? Is this room clear of smoke? Like, can we breathe in here? And Or is it smoky in here, but not with the point of origin? There's no smoke. There's no smoke. You can breathe perfectly fine. I needed that advantage, and it was a 21, by the way. Is uh, Maya still in, like, her full figure form right now, or is she back to a ball of light? She is probably fading into a ball of light. Okay, Clean will kind of walk off to a corner, pushing the suit off, and just kind of stare at Maya and just be like, huh. Well, I suppose we could say that it's good fortune. We don't have to worry about the smoke anymore. But we don't have time. We need to get to the conservatory. And why do we need to go there? Mariana told us we needed to deal with Aleki. Unburden the hanging. Unburden. Yes, we have to go to the conservatory. That had a character. I had no idea what that spelled. I just wrote all the letters and one like, a big giant thing and I couldn't figure out what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, Kalina can't read, so I'm sure all the numbers, or the numbers, <laughs> the letters didn't mean anything to Kalina either. Totally in character for Kalina to be like, but what? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Didn't think about it that way. The sooner we do that, the sooner we weaken the things on this house, and the sooner we'll be able to strike a blow against it. Hmm. That's not what I saw where we need to go to save you. What you saw? Didn't anybody else see it? See what? Yeah, what are you talking about right now? Yeah, see what? I saw an altar kind of down towards where we were going before. That's what the guy said to save you was at. The butler? I don't think we can trust him. I think he's got sketchy intentions for us. Yeah, he has issues. He wants to trap us like he trapped Aleki. Oh, right. He wants to turn us into, like, murderers to feed his weird blood thing. I don't know. Wear sharks, even though wear things don't exist. Right, make more wear sharks. No, no, shark monster. Shark monster. Right, yeah, shark boys. Kalina, did, uh, what did the butler say to you? I don't know if it was the butler, but someone said, like, we could, I could save Maya. It's gave a blood sacrifice, but I'm not sure what he meant by that part, but. Uh, and you can see she kind of fumbles with her words a little bit, just, I don't know, it, that's just, sounded like the way, I don't, I don't, this house, I don't know, this house is messed up, maybe it could be, maybe it couldn't be. We can't trust him, he wants to use our pain against us, he wants to use it to manipulate us, and we can't let him do that. And how do we know we can trust the other person that you must say, Maya, we should trust? I mean, she doesn't have shark teeth. That's a big bonus. I don't know about the rest of you, but he promised me to bring me back if I did what he wanted. But even if he has the power to bring me back, it's not going to be like you think it is. Look at Aleki. Think of how many people he killed just for little moments of time with his wife and daughter. 
Right, he never really got them back. He just borrowed them, rented them. I don't want to be a bargaining chip for your soul. If we can save me, then I think it's not going to be with the power of the monster that created this whole horror. It will be through something else. We can't let the monster manipulate us. I love all of you, and I wish things were different, but we need to keep moving forward and set things right with this house, set free the souls that have been trapped here for far, far too long, who have suffered far more than I have. And maybe more than any of that, I want all of you to be able to leave this house. I don't want you to be trapped here. If we all die, we'll be trapped like everybody else. Kalina will just yell out, but that won't bring you back for sure. Very angrily. And you guys can see she's very angry. Maya will sort of float her leg over in front of Kalina and say, My dear, dear friend, I don't... I know it's hard. It's very hard. But everything has a price and bringing me back at the price of whatever that thing is going to ask for from you is not worth it I don't want to live if it means you turning into a monster I already am one no you're not Kalina you are a beautiful person you're a member of my family and you care for the children at the orphanage you do your su- your best to support all of us here you I have never seen you to be a monster in all of the time that I have known you you can see Kalina is crying and she'll look at you and she'll just ask who were you in Amarath I uh a little girl who lost everything a noble? Yes. And she starts crying even more. I help. I help. I help tear that country apart. And she just kind of falls to her knees and just starts bawling. Just like, I killed so many. Ruined so many lives. And she just keeps crying. Is it possible for Maya to take a physical form? Are you consciously trying to? Yes. Then yes. Maya's gonna slowly form into the person that everyone saw before with the, the red dress with the lace and the no axe this time. And she's gonna kneel down in front of Kalina and I imagine I'm too insubstantial to actually wrap my arms around Kalina, but she'll kind of, I don't know, I guess hover her arms around Kalina and say it's okay. The past is in the past and what you did it's in the past Kalina you can't go back and change it all you can do is decide who you want to be now and be that person but I could I could fix it 
it doesn't have I can just if it's my life that I can bring you back and not destroy not destroy your life twice who knows how many more times Kalina you didn't destroy my life the people who ordered you the people who ordered them to order you they destroyed a lot but not my life this monster the thing that rules this house with terror that is what destroyed my life you can't let yourself give in to the negativity and the guilt you are a good person I know you you're my friend you're my you're the sister I never had you're you are so many things and you are not a monster and you are not the person who wrecked my life you helped make my life beautiful something worth living for the six years that we've been here together you can't beat yourself up like this she doesn't respond but just keeps just crying and balled up I need you to help me Kalina I can't do this without you I need all of you to help me we need to free the people that are trapped here all that we can do any of us is decide who we want to be right now and the things that we can do right now are pretty limited but it seems like it might be within our power to end the curse on this place and free the people that are trapped suffering here we can do it but I need your help as this scene between Maya and Kalina unfolds before you what does it make you feel what does it make you think about what thoughts or memories flit through your minds Alice is being a good dog and like sitting by Kalina and like leaning on Kalina uh, to offer uh, as much emotional support animalness as he can and I mean the visual of the ghost of Maya like consoling the situation is very like religious <laughs> so I think he's in awe of like Maya's wisdom and death and selflessness in death. Sylvie would have held herself back from immediately jumping on Kalina and consoling her because she felt like it was inappropriate and too much. But she would have, just as the conversation continued, like, continued to creep closer and, like, eventually just, like, wrapped her arms around Kalina since Maya can't quite. But the entire speech has Sylvie thinking about her time spent at the Temple of Ash and seeing people grieve and dealing with how difficult death is to understand and comprehend. And she's also thinking about a lot of the lessons she learned from the monks that she worked with about how every decision we make can impact others and that it is our responsibility to make decisions that help others, even when it's even when it's awful for yourself. I don't think she says any of that. It doesn't really feel like the place, but it has been brought to the forefront of her mind. I think with the whole group, you know, comforting Kalina, I think Marcus would 
stand by and try to just offer, you know, whatever comfort he can where he feels appropriate and maybe just kind of put a hand on Kalina's shoulder when appropriate and just kind of say softly, I'm right there with you. I understand what you're saying. I guess sometimes it's hard not to focus on the things you want. But sometimes when you focus on the things you can't change, you, you miss out on the good things right in front of you. And I think Marcus is just feeling a lot of empathy and just wants Kalina to feel better. How does the conversation continue for Maya and Kalina? I thought I thought it had a way to save her. I just wanted to fix something I did wrong once. Kalina, you've given me, you've helped to give me the family that I never would have had. Not even in Amaranth, the, the closeness, the genuine affection, the, the reality of our relationships, they're very, everything is very different from the life that I would have had, but that doesn't make it a bad thing. I have been so blessed to have you, to have all of you in my life. But we need to go. The, the one that holds me here like this, in this house, that gives me the ability to help you so that I'm not trapped and helpless like all the others, he can only help for so long. We need to set things right while we still can. I need you to help me. Sorry, you're right. It's okay. Somehow it's all gonna be okay, Kalina. And you aren't alone. You have Marcus and Sylvie and Alice. You're not alone. Right, we'll figure this out together. No matter what happens. Maya's gonna stand up, and as she stands up, she's... Her form will slowly be pulled back into the ball of light. We should maybe think about uh, of what to do next, maybe, when we're ready. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, let's... Let's figure that out. Mariana told us we needed to go to the conservatory, and my understanding is that once we do what it is she needs us to do, we'll have struck enough of a blow against the hold the monster has on this house that we'll be able to wound it. We'll have a chance to actually fight it off, fight against it, make a difference. But we have to go to the conservatory. Cass, can I start to track and see if it is in the direction of the conservatory? You got a 21. I did get a 21. I got an 18 uh, plus 3. <laughs> so as you are sniffing around, the scent comes this way and then vanishes. The smell in here is too clean. It's as if someone has wiped it away. 
friggin' butlers doing their job the least time we want them to. Even the evil ones. Yeah, I'll be taking that gold back. Just wait. <laughs> the one piece of gold that he has on him? Yeah, I tipped him, and he's been so rude and inhospitable, taking my friend's body, like, I checked in with that. Of note, as Alice is sniffing around, uh, there's two things that I should note. Uh, Maya and Marcus, you will both note that he has an oversized card. It, Maya, it looks like the one that was upstairs, stuck to his head. And then, Maya, I will remind you that you also are, as a ghost, are able to see the creature that is nesting on Alice. Oh, right. And the creature is kind of pinning the card in place on Alice's head. Yes. Its cat-like head is has its chin between his two ears, and the card is under its chin being held there by the creature. And like a true doggo, Alice does not know the card is there. He has no idea. <laughs> um, Maya's gonna float in front of the face of the creature and say friend or foe? I'm your friend. Uh, it's me. I know I look like a wolf. Um, I can't talk, so you can't hear any of this. <laughs> Precisely. Does the cat react at all? Looks like it is sleeping. It is purring away as it just, its eyes are closed and is sleeping. Well, Alice, I'm not sure about your companion, but they seem to have collected something interesting. Would somebody with, uh, uh, would somebody be able to pick this up? Yeah, none of us have hands in this area. <laughs> <laughs> Hand deficient over here. Sure, I can pick up the thing for you. Marcus will go over and pick it up. Whoa, that was on my head? It's so hard re not reacting to what you say, Josh, because I'm like, God, you're so rude, Allie. How come you're just ignoring everything he says? But every time you say something, I'm like, no, no, no. Wolves don't talk. Wolves don't talk. <laughs> Marcus, as you pick up the card, on one side of it, it just has this strange, looping, archaic design that when you sort of look at it, makes your eyes hurt. Like, there's almost too many details in it. It's intricate. It seems to almost be an illusion, an optical illusion of some kind. As you turn the card over, you can see in an archaic style, almost as if it was done drawn in the style of a stained glass window, a black-green stone tower on a storm-tossed ocean promontory. Beneath, beneath it, at the bottom of the card, there are various letters. Unfortunately, Marcus does not know what it says. Um, there are some letters here on this card. It looks to be like a tower of some sort. Might I lend a hand and maybe uh, translate this for me? Alice will flick his nose to turn it towards towards him. Oh, oh, okay. 
Alright, sorry. Guess. Can I read it? Can Maya also cover to read? It says Tower. It obviously must say some sort of uh, magical word, right? It's only makes sense. What language is it in? Common. Oh, I forgot. Common Aventian. I forgot. Marcus, like Kalina, sadly, is not very literate. This is the best, and I can't speak. We are the blind leading the blind right now. It's actually so fun. <laughs> can Maya read the card? Oh yeah, you can totally read the card. Oh, it says tower. I wonder... I thought it was gonna just be a playing card, but this is the card that the butler dropped. It just it just says tower. doesn't say, like, magnificent or some sort of magical word that can do something cool. In Alice's head, he gives a detailed explanation of the tarot card, the tower, symbolizing the end of prominent events in terrible ways. <laughs> but... He can't say any of this, so he just blinks. Actually, looking at this, as you start to give that, you suddenly realize what Marcus is holding. He's not holding a tarot card. He's holding something else that Beg Hilda never had a full set of. He is holding not a card from a tarot deck, but from an object referred to by Beghilda as the Confidant's Deck. A Confidant's Deck of many things. <laughs> a deck that was a divination tool developed by the Iltharans before their magiocracy was decimated. Such cards don't just randomly pull upon the notion of fate. These cards are actually a reference to Morgan's Confidant an esoteric and ancient individual, if legends are to believe, that was instrumental in the War of the Gods. Beghilda only utilized the Confidant deck, or the portion that she had thereof, once in Alice's entire time with her, three days before her demise and your original trapping in the mirror. You can remember what she said. Cards, seeing glasses, mirrors, pools, bow, smoke, and sticks all have their uses. They brush upon the skeins of fate, but to court the confidant's will is to open yourself to fate itself. Stay away from the table, Alice. I do not do so lightly. Alice comes back into his body as the cinematic pull of this memory kind of materializes and the blackness that the memory fades to out of his pupils of his eyes and he just blinks and <laughs> stares at the card. I don't know how to, I can't tell them anything. Keep the card. Keep the card. Should I throw this card away? Let me just rip it up. Wait, can Sylvie, like, glance over and go, Oh, another card. Here, I'll take it. I'll put it with the others. Oh, I could just, I could just 
toss it. It just says tower on it. We know what. Wait, but I but I like the pictures though. I know we shouldn't. But the butler dropped this. We shouldn't keep this. This is like dead. Well, but it matches the other ones I've got. Alice is running in a circle, like <laughs> jumping. See, even Alice agrees. We need to we need to destroy this card. He's he's running around in circles trying. To, I'll rip it. I'll start ripping it up right now. I'll just. Oh, oh, fine. I'll here have the card. Yes. Marcus, Marcus will hand the card over to Sylvie. Sylvie will tuck it away with the others. This will not go bad. <laughs> Did Alice look real less anxious or more anxious now? Alice does like the whole like jump up just like a little bit and clap his paws together. Oh, that's something new. Oh, okay. Here, give me the card back. See if he does anything different. Alice, do you want to see the other cards? Can you? Are we too stuck? Like, should we go to the conservatory? Are we? Yeah, Alice will. Alice will lastly point to the conservatory. <laughs> yes, the conservatory. So, heading to the conservatory, might as well first exit the kitchen. You will enter into the butler's pantry, and at this point, you know that you can go left or to the east, which will take you out into the dining room. Or you can take the door to the right, to the west, that you have no idea where it goes. Or you can go head down the servant's hallway and come out by the grand foyer. We want to go to the ballroom. So Maya will float her way through the ballroom door. Well, the, it's the dining room door, which then leads to the ballroom, if I'm correct. Like, we have to go through the dining room, and then down the hallway, and then into the ballroom. Am I right? There is a secret door on the left that goes into the dining room. There is a door on the right that you don't know where it goes, and then there is the two doors at the end under the grand staircase. Maya can see through the wall, though, right? Yeah, you can sort of see through the wall, yes. You also do know that that, the door on the right goes out into the ballroom, through another hidden door in the house. Maya floats the door on the right. I'll, I'll lassie follow. <laughs> lassie follow? That's a new one. I'm just, everything's lassie. Like, if I'm not <laughs> predatory, I'm, I'm lassie. The door leading from the servant's hallway slash butler's pantry, this door, the last door on the main floor that you have not opened, opens out into the ballroom, quite near the northern door that heads into the hallway. Directly across from this door that you've entered is the harpsichord on the far side of the ballroom. Maya keeps floating along to the doors that lead to that back hallway. And if nobody lags behind, Maya will float up to the conservatory door and wait. You will slowly creep through the ballroom and then along the hallway along the gallery of portraits. Each of them look down at you. Now that you know that the woman is Mariana, it almost seems that her portraits, the way they look at you, is with pleading eyes, begging you. But also, wishing that you would be able to succeed. Where the eyes on Alecki's portraits are vacuous, without thought, mindless. 
almost hungry. You will end at the far side of the hallway. At a great double door of glass. Inlaid with intricate ironwork depicting vines and branches. It illuminates this section of the room, the section of the hallway, showing the stark white paint and the shine of the lacquered redwood floors. Beyond these doors that are closed, you can see a room that is a verdant garden. A veritable tangle of plants. And in the center of it is an enormous tree. What will you do? Do I get any sense in here? Like, do I smell the smell of rotting fish? Do I smell Maya's body? The glass door is still closed, since no one with hands has gotten to it. Well, Kalina, do you still have the key? It was too small for the armor, but perhaps a door? Um, she'll fumble through her pocket and pull the key. I was like, yeah, we never figured out where it went. You think it's to this? Hadn't heard to try. And Kalina will walk slowly. You can tell she kind of is trying to avoid you guys, but not succeeding very well because it's the hallway. And then kind of just tries the key on the door hole when she gets, or bleh key into the keyhole once she gets to the door. Kalina, you will shakily place the key into the hole and turn it. You will hear the clicking of a mechanism and the door opens. By its very nature, the room before you is well lit in the daytime. The most striking feature of this room is that of an enormous tree growing in its center. Its leaves pushed up against some of the glass ceiling panes, while in other places its branches have broken the glass to reach upwards into the sky. The stormy seaside weather has not been kind to this room, and much the glass on the northern and western sides have been smashed. Where the glass has fallen, it would be impossible to say, as many plants grow out of control. Large, intertwined rose bushes, creeping plants growing along the floor, hydrangea and rhododendron competing for space, and hyacinth and foxglove peeking out here and there where they can manage to find purchase. Leading from the only entrance to the conservatory, down into this room, and around it is a stone path which the plants have not entirely taken over. However, the plants do overgrow the path considerably, leaving it just barely discernible. As you look towards the tree, you see that amongst its lowest branches hangs what appears to be a noose 
that is where we will end tonight's session. Don't leave us hanging. (laughs) Oh, that was priceless. I saw my moment. Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. Okay, so I confess, I was super paranoid double-checking my spells before we started, and I did not hear the order of introductions. We're waiting for you. (gasps) I'm so sorry. gonna say don't all at once say what you have (laughs) did anybody else find that Cass went garbly and then sounded like he'd inhaled helium and then he went back to normal or was that just me yeah I heard it too I definitely heard the garbly yeah Mm mm-hmm Did anyone else have it sound like Cory just briefly got possessed by the spirit of a machine? Yeah, a blender, I think. Yes, but now you sound like you're on helium. All of you sound like helium. Oh my gosh. You just did the weird, crazy thing for me, so... What is going on? Tonight's dream is possessed. It's not a stream. Clean feet is possessed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, everybody's back to normal.